being is in a state of non-doing. You can call it meditation. You can call it resting, relaxing, letting things come to you, inspiration. But if you're too stuck in the feminine energy, you're never going to create anything. And so you have to be grounded in order to work with masculine energy. So the masculine world, we're in a masculine dominated world. So that's doing, 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 going, 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 action, action, action. There's no tolerance for rest. It's your week that's, and that's feminine energy. So if we're so trained to always be doing something, always looking at a phone or working or, or doing and going, and when you're in a state of being and allowing, that can give you so much clarity for when you do take that masculine step of action. It, it, there's a ripple effect. There's so much power behind it because you've gone to the feminine first. The feminine always comes first before the masculine. So if you take time to meditate or just be and rest, it could look like you just coloring in a coloring book or playing checkers with your friends or playing, being in the present moment, being in your heart, smiling, those things that that's the feminine. And so the Western world, we're very intolerant to that. And because we, we are always taught to perform and do and go and take action. And so if you balance it, your health is going to be better. Your relationships are going to be better. Your finances are going to be better because you've learned to allow for both. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with Dr. Amberly Carter. As a doctor of metaphysics and an alternative medical practitioner, Amberly helps clients around the world improve their health by working with subtle energetic patterns of information that are negatively impacting their lives. As a practice, Amberly works with energy beyond the five main senses of perception to shift patterns that ultimately change physical reality. With her history of research, Amberly has found that fun and joy are some of the most healing frequencies to work with. Therefore, she has developed a unique approach of playing outside of the office as an extension of her sessions. Instead of the healing process feeling like hard work, Amberly's goal is to provide her clients with out-of-the-box, fun experiences that create the most lasting impact. This could look like having breakfast in Beverly Hills, to riding on jet skis through the Louisiana swamps, having a Zoom video session with a waterfall hike background in Austin, Texas, and anywhere in between. One of her clients has stated, in essence, Amber Lee reminds me how to love myself more deeply. She reconnects me back to me, belonging to myself again and bringing me home. After working with Amber Lee, I feel calm and safe in my own body, giving me back my power. And the best part is that it's brought fun back into my life again. 
This conversation is jam-packed with info on self-awareness and how different frequencies can impact our joy and fulfillment in life. And I know you're going to have a bunch of info and energy to take away from Amber Lee. So let's welcome her to the show and jump right into the conversation. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today, I'd love to welcome Dr. Amber Lee Carter to the show. We're going to get into a whole bunch of science and relationship advice and tips and tricks. I'm very much looking forward to it. But before we get into it, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. What 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 day of the week is it right now? Tuesday already? I um, have no idea. Honestly, <laughs> I really don't. I like I just got in town last night. So I'm all over the place, but it's good to be back. So what's your what's your split based on like being in Austin versus not it's usually two weeks and two weeks. Okay. So two weeks here in Austin and two weeks back in Louisiana. And then other than that, I'll, I'll travel still to different parts of Florida and California. And I just, I like going around the world, you know? <laughs> what is the, what is your favorite place that you've ever been? Ever been? Paris. Paris, why? Mm-hmm. I like the architecture, actually. The architecture, the it's, I guess it's the energy of the city that I'm drawn to. There's so much hustle bustle, but in a way that's like everyone's moving, but they're not in a hurry necessarily. <laughs> so they're just going shopping and eating. I mean, that's my perception of Paris. So the, I mean, I, like it. I feel like that's a European way of, mm-hmm. of living life where it's hustle and bustle, but for some reason they seem to have it down where they have more fun while they're doing it versus in America. It's just the grind all the time. Have you seen the Netflix show, Emily in Paris? Yes, I have. (laughs) (laughs) That's immediately what I thought about when you were, when you're talking about like during that show, when she has Mm -hmm. to learn to like, they don't work during the weekends or whatever it is. And I was just like, yeah, that's not how America works. But as always, it could be, it could be worse. Um, Mm -hmm. There's other countries that work way longer hours than even we do, but that's not how I want to talk about. That's not exactly what I want to talk about in this podcast, work. Um, But I do want to talk about what you're working on. And one of those things you mentioned Mm -hmm. to me is a new YouTube channel that's more just for fun. And Mm -hmm. it's called Champagne and Fries. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what that is, because I think, Mm -hmm. uh, especially those that are listening to this podcast, um, fun when we're adults is something few and far between, but I'd love to bring that conversation more to the forefront that Mm -hmm. we should be playing Mm -hmm. more. Yeah, definitely. So, well, my area of work is a lot of people come to me for health problems and relationship issues and, and heavy stuff, you know, financial troubles. So I always am giving advice and doing this and that for work. And I just, I always preach this to my clients about having fun and doing what you want to create and just bring to the world. And so one night, my friend and I were in a hotel room and after every event we go to, whether it's a a gala, like a formal gala or a Mardi Gras ball or whatever it is, at the end of the night, we want champagne and fries. (laughs) That's it. Just in a hotel room, in a robe and just hanging out with your best friend and having champagne and fries is the perfect combination of relaxation and, and sticking to your ribs with the fries. But then the champagne is the light and airy and fun. Um, and it's just, it's something that's silly and ridiculous. But the champagne and fries concept is a um, the joy of life. And just sharing that and that's going to be a completely different experience of showcasing my life behind the scenes where a lot of my clients don't get to see that. And I, I rarely 
share that type of information with people. But I feel like it's important to be not necessarily exposed, but um, transparent about how my life is and what I do. Because I, I say all day long to people, do this, do that, do that. But then I need to walk the walk and I need to showcase what that looks like. And and giving a behind the scenes hilarious <laughs> just image of what's going on um, is just, it's fun. And I want to share that with people. Yeah, it's less about do what I say, um, more like I'll lead by showing you the way. Exactly. And in today's day and age with social media and, and access that you can grant people, it's mm-hmm. super powerful. And it's something that I strive to do as well. Even through this podcast, it's like bringing people like you onto the show where in your area of expertise, you know, way more than I do. But something that I've learned is the advice that you give here on the show, I can then take and bring into my own life and then show people, hey, look, this is what I've learned and this is what I'm doing. And it's really flipping the lens of like, hey, this is what you should do to, hey, I am doing this thing and maybe you can learn from it as well. And that's where I'd love to understand a little bit more of you were mentioning clients and people that you're working with. Mm -hmm. Give us some insight into how you even got into that in the first place. Like Mm -hmm. one, what is the type of client that you're working with? And then Two, what results are they looking for from you? Okay. So uh, I'm a doctor of metaphysics and an alternative medical practitioner. So uh, I work with clients who are dealing with needing clarity in their life about a particular issue. And where it shows up in one area of their life really loudly, it's going to show up in all the areas. And so my job is to connect the dots for them and show them, hey, you're the common denominator you have the power, you're in charge. Here are some things you can tweak. And a lot of the time they look like very simple tools, but it's so difficult sometimes for people to implement those tools and develop a practice where they're implementing it every day. It's kind of like brushing your teeth where you just do it as a part of your lifestyle. But at first it's training wheels and you're going to fall off sometimes and not know what you're doing. But once you, it's kind of like having a new diet plan and you go to the grocery for the first time with the new food list and you're, it takes so much time looking at the labels and looking at the different aisles and what, what's what. And then months into that, you already know what you're going to do. You go in the grocery store, you buy what you need and you leave. It becomes part of your lifestyle. You don't have to think about it. So those practical tools I work with, um, with people and they, typically want a result of more levity in their life and more connection. And so when people have a bunch of different things going on, whether it's a health ailment or a relationship issue or attracting the same person over and over again, whether it's in the form of your boss or a friend or a loved one and experiencing the same type of relationship dynamic, there's something going on. It's called a pattern. And it's based off of your energy field and what you're pulsing out that is beyond the five main senses of perception. So that's why it's so confusing to people because they're like, well, I can't see it. I can't taste it. I can't touch it. I can't smell it. So, and I can't hear it, but yet it's creating a very visceral physical impact biochemically, physiologically. There's a cascade effect that happens when you have an emotion or a thought, and then that creates a whole different um, experience in your body. And then from there that gets pulsed out into the universe and gets reflected back in your reality. 
So when you understand the laws of metaphysics and the universe and how to go beyond the physical realm and work with energy, life becomes a lot I wouldn't say necessarily easier because life is life. (laughs) Life is going to happen to you square in the eyes and you're just going to have to deal with it. But it gives you more understanding, more clarity, and you'll have more tools in your toolbox to navigate through those times where life is hitting you square in the face. It reminds me of the Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Yeah. (laughs) So it's just like energy is one of those things where how are you going to respond? Like with what energy are you going to respond when you're that person that's getting punched in the mouth? There's, there's two types of people in this world. Those that get knocked out and those that are like, you know what? That fucking hurt. Yes. But I'm going to learn from this, Mm -hmm. learn how not to get punched in the mouth next time. But then also I'm going to continue to strive for with, with better energy. So you mentioned, you're mentioning a lot of tools. Mm -hmm. What are some of the tools that the majority of people you've seen lack when they come to you because I'm big into education reform and Mm -hmm. helping people level up their life. And the reality is like you have adults who most of them are going to be stuck in their ways. Like, yes, they're going to change some of their habits, but I've just realized over the years that uh, you can lead a horse to water. You can't teach it to drink, but I'm really big on one, helping the 1% that do want to change, but then Mm -hmm. two, like in the future, how did we get this way in the first place where we're lacking these tools? Mm -hmm. And somebody that has an expertise in this area and has worked with a a bunch of people, what seems to be the missing thing and the missing piece that people are lacking? I would say uh, nurturing yourself. I think it's slowing down Mm. and taking the time because everyone says, oh, the Mediterranean diet works. Like we were saying earlier about Paris and Europe, it's not that the diet plan they're eating is working. It's the energy that gets infused into everything that you do. And so the Mediterranean lifestyle is you're connecting with friends, you're walking everywhere, you're outside in nature, you're exposed to negative ions, which is a very grounding frequency. Uh, So instead of... you you know, lights, camera, action all the time, all the time. No one comes down from it. We're content creators. We're pushing the envelope all the time. We're always in competition with one another. And then when you're slowing down, you can't turn off your brain. You're having sleep problems. You're, it's just your energy is going, going, going. You're fried. So that's very depleting. And so people have not learned how to parent themselves. And so we get into these dynamics where you can try to mother or parent or father a particular person in your life, but it's always a reflection of what's going on inside of you. So if you tend to be someone who's a fixer and trying to do things for other people and have, you have no boundaries, um, that, and that's one of the biggest things is boundaries, but I'll talk about that in a second. But when you're giving, 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 you're doing it as a distraction away from self-care and self-care has become kind of a hype word these days. Like, you know, eat a bar of chocolate and get in the bathtub. That's great, but it's more of connecting with, with yourself, no matter what that looks like. Even if it's down to ordering food at a restaurant, what is it that you really want? And for you to have clarity on that, you have to be grounded. And so one of the biggest pieces that I think is affecting the Western world, especially, is that we're so ungrounded. And when you're ungrounded, you feel unsafe in your body. And when you feel unsafe, you don't know who you are, you don't know what you want, and you don't know where you're going. And that leads to boundary issues. And so when you have boundary issues, your whole world is going to be just chaos. So 
that's what I've had to work on personally too is boundaries, especially with clients and business, because if you're providing a service to people or providing content or information, you've got to be religious in a sense about taking care of yourself so that you're a clear vessel so that when you do come out with something or provide a service or content or information, it's laser focused. You're not having all that chaotic energy infused into it of got to have the next thing, got to, you know, get this many views or this many likes. It's you're really focused on what do I really want? What's my real message? What do I want to get out there? And not necessarily what do people want to see from me? It's what do I want to create? What is inspiring me in the moment? And I think that's when people can really connect to you is when you're vulnerable. Um, But again, one of the biggest foundations for that is safety. And safety is one of the biggest things that people deal with. So when I'm working with energy, it comes down to basic frequencies. We all want to feel safe. We all want to feel loved. We all want to feel connected. So those are at the root of every pattern of behavior that you're working with. And how we got away from that is is generationally down the family line because DNA is an antenna uh, for frequency. So it's like having Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. So just because your great-grandmother might not be here physically on the planet – She's still feeding you information down the family lineage of, okay, I had feminine wounds. I don't know how to to be a female in a masculine-dominated world. So what does that look like? I'm going to give, 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 give until I'm depleted, and then I'm going to have financial issues. I'm going to have – because money's energy. So it's going to work in patterns of behavior, but also there's DNA and generational lines that are feeding into your energy field. And if you're not grounded and feeling safe in your own body, you're going to pick up on that down your family line. And that gets infused into repeating the same generational pattern over and over again of breast cancer or, um, you know, things that are genetic. Those are the things that are, it's a pattern of behavior that's underneath every health issue that you repeat subconsciously uh, over and over and over again. And you're thinking, oh, well, this is genetic. This is in my family line. But um, it, it's a it's a lot bigger than that. But at the same time, it's very simple for me. <laughs> Would it be safe to say that people's biggest root problem is the relationship they have with themselves? 100%. Yes. That's because everything gets reflected for what you're pulsing out. So it wouldn't be in your reality if it's not inside of you. So if you're running a particular frequency, say it's anger, and that's running through your nervous system and it gets stored in the liver, say, you'll pulse that out and then you pull in situations that cause you to have anger because the goal is for it to come up and be released. You don't want your physical body to hold it and store it. And the Western world, we're taught to suppress everything. There's no room for negativity. We don't have a tolerance for it anymore, but yet it's part of the human spectrum of emotion. So we have to allow for expression of all types of frequencies, good and bad. It's it's neutral in reality, but you assign 
to it what you think it is. So like a bottle of water, for instance, or no, let's say something that's more triggering, a bottle of alcohol. (laughs) It's neutral. It's a bottle of alcohol. It's neutral. If you have no beliefs about what that is, you'll process it fine. You'll be okay with it. Your relationship with it's fine. Great. If you all of a sudden, all of your stuff gets kicked up because you have a judgment and a belief of that's bad. So then a lot of other things get kicked up. Your body says, oh, hey, that's bad. So you're not going to process it correctly. Your relationship with it is going to be a lot um, harsher. You might create a codependency on it or a need for it socially. In reality, the alcohol is a tool and it's a mirror. Your relationship with alcohol is showing you what's going on inside of you. So if you're not bringing awareness or consciousness to why am I so dependent on this alcohol? Why do I need that to feel socially relaxed or accepted? What's going on in me? Oh, I feel unsafe when I'm in a crowd of people. So if you work with the safety issue, your relationship with alcohol can clear up. So, but it could also be a family line issue and a biochemical dependence that, you know, your great grandfather worked with that then it feels impossible for you to overcome. And you don't even know why it's happening, where it's coming from, and you're dependent on it. So it's working at the core levels of frequency to really shift. It's not going back to say, hey, what trauma happened to you at seven years old? All of that is helpful, but there's really core frequencies that if you get to the root of all of someone's behavior, you can shift massively very quickly instead of, okay, I've been working on this pattern for 15 years or, or you're always within the confines of staying away from alcohol or avoiding or not dealing with it instead of kind of releasing that attachment and that judgment regardless of having freedom around it to where if you want it, great. If you don't want it, you just don't want it. It's, it's not a demon hanging over you where you, you're just going for the rest of your life avoiding it because that will attract situations where you're going to have to avoid it because avoidance and resistance is a magnetic field to creating it over and over and over and over again. So that's why I work with patterns of behavior. I think it's fascinating. And you're not dealing with the, I like how you said the, the root of it. I'm actually 14 months as of like a couple of days ago, no alcohol. That's haven't awesome. Had a single sip. Congrats. I haven't even smelled it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was after, I mean, I was drinking since I was like 16. So almost mm-hmm. like 16 years of drinking at least twice a week. A okay. lot of times through college is four or five mm-hmm. every day. Yeah, um, <laughs> definitely. Right. And a lot of males, had, a lot of, a lot of male athletes had the same thing that mm-hmm. I don't like to say had, but lived in a way that I lived. And for me, it was really, I never actually questioned like, why do I need this thing? I just leaned into it because when I'd get into an environment and someone hands you a drink, mm-hmm. it's more awkward to be like, nah, than it is to just be like, I'm just going to take this. Right. And then for me, two turns to 10 really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like pouring gasoline on a fire. The thing about alcohol and drugs in general is everybody has different reactions to them. Totally. And for me with alcohol, it's like I could go for days. Like mm-hmm. you took somebody who already has energy and you're talking frequency. It, it, it like broke whatever was 
gauging my frequency and I felt on top of the world for that moment. Right. And then you come down and then it's this constant mountain. You're climbing the mountain, you're coming down, you're climbing the mountain. And eventually I just started realizing I don't like the come down of the mountain. It's like, how do I reach the top of this mountain and feel like that Mm -hmm. without needing anything else except what's inside of me? What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Amber Lee. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of potential shout-outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Dr. Amber Lee Carter. I love energy and frequency and one of the reasons that I was really looking forward to this conversation because what I've realized is for me, what we're talking about is like self-awareness. And one of the things that I became self-aware of is through suffering, like purposeful suffering, I learned more about myself than in anything else. And I think by suffering, I mean like doing hard things, going on, running a mile, Mm -hmm. running five miles, running 10 miles, doing the hard things in the small moments, like taking out the trash and showing up to do the things in your business that you don't necessarily want to. In small cases, you're signing up to suffer. Mm -hmm. And we've lost that in society because you can get the food delivered to you. Mm -hmm. Every little thing we've optimized so that you don't have to deal with the negativity. That's why we suppress it. And especially as males, it's just like, I believe males are struggling so much because we don't have the outlets anymore. Even in sports, they're taking away the physicality of the sport. Right. They're saying, like, you get a flag for everything or a penalty mm-hmm. for everything. You can't be aggressive anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just not allowed. And it's interesting that we're getting into this because there's this show on Netflix that I just started watching. It's called The Human Playground. And it shows just all these – starts with this woman who has one leg and she's running in an ultramarathon, the hardest one in the world in Morocco. It's 150 miles over six days. Oh, wow. And 1,000 people sign up, only 40 finish. It's insane. Wow. It starts with that. But then it goes into this one where it was this African tribe and these two tribes, they do – I don't know what it's called, but they like fight with sticks. Mm-hmm. The males fight with the sticks and the women watch and the males have to suffer in the battle – But the point of the battle isn't to win the battle. The point of the battle is to show that you can go into the arena Mm -hmm. and and choose to basically put your life on the line for everybody around you. Mm -hmm. Um, And they celebrate no matter who wins or loses, the tribe tribes dance together. And then the women, on the other hand, they go through suffering. They it was interesting. They tattooed themselves and etched things into their body to attract 
the the other sex and when i was watching that i was just like that is what the western world is missing this culture understands it mm-hmm. it was not about like when they entered it's 1v1 mm-hmm. and they're butt ass naked with these long ass sticks like and they start bleeding and it's crazy to watch mm-hmm. but you see the joy and them dancing around afterwards and then almost as if like they tapped into what humanity is the purpose of humanity is and that's really just understanding ourselves and conquering our fears on a daily basis Mm -hmm. the whole point of me telling those stories and and realizing that suffering was a big part is i'm a believer and you can choose your suffering Mm -hmm. when it comes to frequency and and metaphysics how does that play a role because let's go back a decade while i was also drinking i also felt sick a lot Mm -hmm. like my stomach was in pain and i didn't like how the thoughts were in my head how does somebody go from that without putting the negative suffering meaning Mm -hmm. the alcohol the drugs i really like to inspire people to find methods healthy methods to kind of change their mindset and change their path without leaning into the things that I leaned in, into my past. One of the ways that I do it is through the running, the hiking, the lifting. What are some of the ways that you prescribe that other people do so that they can reach this next level of frequency and tap into their human potential? So I think suffering is a biological program that men are attracted to because I think as the human race has you know, from the beginning of time, we, it takes a long time to evolve. So I think that caveman is still in there, but in a modern world. So where is there room for that? And like you were saying, there's an intolerance for the aggression and, and all of that. So, but suffering could be you not being aggressive and holding that in and not being who you truly are and expressing yourself. And if that is through aggression or a tribal uh, experience of, expressing yourself of who men really are and getting to showcase that, well, there's joy in that. So even though technically you're suffering, it's more of your belief system. So if your belief is I'm doing this to showcase my bravery and my masculinity and my strength and fervor and all those amazing qualities that men have, if you can't showcase that, there's a different type of suffering. Like you were saying with the alcohol and, and I guess the negative side of suffering where you have stomach issues and your body's crying out saying, hey, I'm suffering. Well, not necessarily in a good way, like climbing a mountain or scaling a mountain and running 10 miles. That is a good type of suffering. So it's whatever your belief system is going into it because somebody could drink alcohol with a lot of joy and have zero effects from it and have a a great experience with that. So suffering, I feel like is it's your mind frame around it where there can be joy in that. So suffering, I feel like it's like putting pressure on a, on a pearl, (laughs) you know, for a pearl to be created. That's where the joy can come of, Oh, this was really hard work and it was a painful experience, but look at, the surprise, look at this outcome, look how amazing I am as a person because of this suffering. So 
I think any kind of resistance or um, suffering in your life is part of humanity. And so, but it's not necessarily a necessity to be great at the same time. You can also live a life without any suffering and be a great human being, a great person. And I think it really goes into your belief system about life in general. I think it's a belief and a frequency that gets infused into everything that you're doing. So if what you're drawn to is, it might be suffering in your mind, but I think what you're allowing yourself to do is express. So if you're running and pushing yourself and that's part of your motivation, I feel like that's, you're activating a genetic code almost inside of you to express your full masculinity and being who you really are. If your relationship with alcohol was one where it caused you to play small, that there's going to be a different type of suffering with that. So it's more of a great point. You're not really being uh, in your masculinity in a social situation when you have poor boundaries and you're just taking, 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 if someone offers you something and you, you're not being conscious of, well, do I really want this? If you do, great. If you don't, why can't you say no? So, and there's an acceptance there. There's safety issues. There, it, go, it goes into those core frequencies that we were talking about earlier. So if you're doing that and you're just mindlessly accepting it and drinking and then having guilt and regret later on, it's because you're playing small. You're not stepping into that masculinity. But if you were drinking alcohol as a celebratory experience after a big masculine ceremony of celebrating your aggressiveness and all the beautiful things that men have, that's a completely different experience. You probably wouldn't have had the come down from the alcohol because alcohol is a tool and it's going to be a mirror and an amplifier of what's going on inside of you. So it wasn't the alcohol itself. It was your relationship with yourself that the alcohol shined a light on and that you had to look at and deal with. And so thankfully, you looked to other tools to start really expressing that masculinity that you were stifling in a way. Amazing points. I think for me, the word that comes to mind is clarity. Mm -hmm. It it took away my clarity on what my goals actually were Mm -hmm. and it disempowered me. Yep. And immediately when I cut it out, I felt more empowered because now I'm in control of my thoughts and Mm -hmm. what path I want to go down. Mm -hmm. And it used to be me kind of pointing a finger. And I think a lot of people do this. I don't have this in my life because of X. I don't have this in my life because of Y or somebody else. And then once I started really trying to build a better relationship with myself, the clarity of what it is that I actually want Mm -hmm. was really helpful. And the ability to say, no, like I don't need the alcohol. I love how you talked about the celebration Mm because that was another word that just triggered me. Mm. The reason it triggered me is every single week I'd be like, what the fuck are we celebrating? Right. (laughs) Right. Like everyone, it was just like, Friday comes along and we're celebrating. So in my head, I'm just like, I haven't earned shit. Mm -hmm. Like, why are Mm. we, why am I spending 
$300 a weekend right. as if I have $300 to mm-hmm. spend. Yeah. Why am I doing that? And right. then I'm also complaining that I'm broke. Mm-hmm. Doesn't fucking add up. Right. So as soon as I started realizing that I'm just in the cesspool of people that are on this loop and this recording, that this record that's just going around in a mm-hmm. circle, I'm like, I'm going to step off this record player for a second. And for me, you mentioned the word masculinity a lot. I've always been not aggressive, but passionate and like the alpha male type. Mm -hmm. But what's in me, I feel, is the other side. I wanted to express art and creativity Mm -hmm. and love and get to become a better listener. That's one of the reasons I started the podcast and connecting with people Mm -hmm. on a deeper level. And I think that was one of my main drivers of quitting the alcohol. And whether I go back to it again in the future, I tell people like, I don't give a shit whether you drink or don't drink or whatever. I love how you put it. It's just like, it's a tool. And mm-hmm. I think that it's a tool that a lot of people have a lot of fun with. Um, but for me, I had to distance myself from it just because I lost myself for so long that mm-hmm. I didn't even know who I, who I am anymore. What is this tool to me? I don't know. Right. Um, and then once I took that tool away, I started leaning more into the feminine and the creative and realized that this actually brings me a lot of joy, almost the same feeling as that alcohol, there's a lot, and there's so many paths I want to go down in this conversation. <laughs> um, we could sit here and talk for two hours, but we don't have that time. So try well, to think let me where just, I wanna... just say this real fast about the masculine and the feminine. Masculine energy from a metaphysics standpoint is doing, it's action. Feminine energy is being. So you still are doing a masculine thing by taking action and creating. So in our culture, culturally, we've placed gender roles on what's feminine and what's masculine. But when you're looking at the energy from an energetic component, just because art or theater or things like that tend to be more, more females are in that, in the Western culture, it doesn't mean that you're not doing a masculine thing within a typical gender role. So you're still expressing your masculinity. You just wanted to do it in a different way. You didn't want to take action in an aggressive way. You wanted to take action in a way that you're creating and producing something. And it's still masculine energy. When you say being, so that Mm -hmm. brings up a great point. I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you for clarifying. When you say being, what does that look like? Being is in a state of non-doing you can call it meditation you can call it resting relaxing letting things come to you inspiration but if you're too stuck in the feminine energy you're never gonna create anything and so you have to be grounded in order to work with masculine energy so the masculine world we're in a masculine dominated world so that's doing 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 going 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 action 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 there's no tolerance for rest. It's you're weak that's, and that's feminine energy. So if we're so trained to always be doing something, always looking at a phone or working or, or doing and going, and when you're in a state of being and allowing, that can give you so much clarity for when you do take that masculine step of action, it 
it, there's a ripple effect. There's so much power behind it because you've gone to the feminine first. The feminine always comes first before the masculine. So if you take time to meditate or just be and rest, it could look like you just coloring in a coloring book or playing checkers with your friends or um, playing, being in the present moment, being in your heart, smiling, those things, that that's the feminine. And so the Western world, we're very intolerant to that. And because we, we are always taught to perform and do and go and take action. And so you, if you balance it, that your health is going to be better. Your relationships are going to be better. Your finances are going to be better because you're, you've learned to allow for both. Another great point. And what's interesting with this whole conversation, if we go back to the alcohol, I realized that I didn't need a reliance on alcohol if by leaning into the feminine of what you, the way you're defining it, because mm-hmm. I did start meditating. I did start resting and sleeping more. And mm-hmm. the reality was the universe forced us all to do that. Yes. Two years ago, mm-hmm. three years ago. And I just took it to heart and was like, okay, like the world's stopping. Mm-hmm. I'm going to explore these new avenues. And you talk about grounding. One of them was when I lived in my old house here on the east side, every morning I just walked outside in my bare feet and shorts on mm-hmm. and just like looked at the sun Yep. for 10 minutes. And like today what that looks like is I sit in front of a red light for 20 minutes when I first wake up, infrared light. So being is something that, and I think reading also helped with this. This was another thing, right. reading on philosophy and other books where people in my eyes, I viewed them as like they have this more figured out than I do. Mm-hmm. And all of them just talk about just slowing down and realizing what the hell we're actually doing here. It's not to make a dollar. Right. And once I kind of broke that construct in my head and broke through, like for me, a lot of it was kind of resentment of my past. Mm. Like I chose this path because people promised me yeah. X, Y, Z and forgave the external and forgave the internal and said, all right, I'm just going to start over mm-hmm. right now. And that's where I'd really love to speak to that person who is exactly what you're talking about. They're on the go all the time, constantly having to pick their phone up immediately when they wake up, they're on the phone when they go to bed. What would you say is the first step that they should be taking to kind of break? I had the universe <laughs> kind of give me that break. But I know we're kind of back into the swing of things in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very tough. I feel like that's one of the toughest things mm-hmm. is to pull yourself away from everything happening in the world and really step into just being. So if you have any advice in those areas, uh, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is to breathe because breathing connects you to source energy. And so you're not just running off of your own reserves. You can connect and tap back into all that's available to you. And so when you can do that, you'll have a lot more energy. But breath connects you to that source energy. And so breathing, a lot of people don't know how to do it correctly as an adult. They are breathing usually from their upper chest and hyperventilating all day. And that informs the nervous system that you're not safe. So you're in fight or flight. So that teaches the nervous system to go into the sympathetic nervous system 
which starts with cortisol and norepinephrine and all of those hormones that get activated and then start a biochemical effect of blood sugar spikes and dips. And then that leads to, you know, cholesterol issues and all kinds of things. So if you can calm the body, and it's such a simple tool, but it's so difficult for people to implement, just set your alarm. You can do it multiple times throughout your day for 10 seconds and just breathe correctly. When I say correctly, it's you're pushing your belly out as you're taking a deep breath in. It's how babies breathe. So when you can fully extend, and a lot of women have lost the neural pathways for knowing how to do that, that connection of how to do it, because we're taught to, you know, suck in your gut and don't push out. And so when I try to teach women how to do this, they're, they're, you can see their brain (laughs) trying to cross and being like, like they cannot connect it. And then finally, when I hold my hand against their belly, I'm like push against my hand. And so when they breathe in, their belly expands for the first time and it releases back tension, their hip flexors open, all kinds of things start happening. And they're, they're amazed at how good their body feels because they're finally connecting back to source energy. But biochemically speaking, that that source energy is light and information. So it comes in and the photons, the light particles upgrade all the cells and get toxins out. So breathing, if you don't do anything else in your day, breathing correctly and multiple times throughout your day to inform your nervous system that you're safe is going to be a game changer for everything. I love that advice. One, because it's free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Two, because everybody breathes. If you're listening yeah. to this, you're alive and you're <laughs> right. breathing right now. Yeah. Um, and three, it's so simple to implement, just mm-hmm. like you said. Yeah. How does somebody be accountable to that, though? That's the struggle that I've mm-hmm. witnessed. I'm, I'm, pr- I'm fairly disciplined. I grew up just with sports and my family. It's like discipline has never been the problem. But for most people, I realize the discipline and the accountability, they say it, they're going to do it once, and then mm-hmm. 10 days go by, and they completely forget that one in one ear, out the other, and they forget that. Right. How does somebody hold themselves accountable to something as simple as that? Well, at first, it's going to be just running through the motions because they haven't seen the benefits play out yet in their reality. So it might look initially like, oh, my lower back feels better, or... I have more energy or, oh, I just, I feel much more awake now. So little benefits like that can help them stay motivated to do it. I always say to set an alarm in your phone or a reminder that pops up, you know, every hour on the hour, or it could be three times during your day. Fucking breathe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's fucking o'clock. So so just let go and breathe in that moment. And it can be 10 seconds. It doesn't have to be for, you know, 10 minutes or anything, but my sweet spot would be two minutes. If you can work your way up to two minutes of breathing slowly, at least five seconds on the inhale and five seconds on the exhale. But I would say longer on the exhale because that really lets go of toxins. So if you do five seconds in, try to do eight seconds out. So that really calms the nervous system and gets those toxins out of your body, essentially. And when toxins can release, fat cells can shrink. 
So you can actually lose weight doing this. So those benefits will start and then mental clarity, all those things, that helps people stay motivated, I find, is the physical reality starts changing for them. And that's their key point. Where does touch play a role in frequency and everything Mm -hmm. that we're talking about? Because it's something that came to mind probably like about 10 minutes into this. Mm -hmm. And I've been waiting to ask this question. Yeah. And I don't mean touch as in like with my wife or like with somebody or significant other. It's Mm -hmm. what I've realized, like I go to get a massage. I immediately start breathing better Mm -hmm. and I feel more relaxed. And if you're like me, when you go to massage and you have an aura ring on, it'll be like, you fell asleep. And it's like, holy shit. Like I was Mm -hmm. so relaxed. Where does that play a role? And what is happening from a metaphysical standpoint when someone is touching you in a certain way that again, not in a sexual way, Mm -hmm. but in a way that's just like human touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So metaphysically, the human body, you are made of light and sound. So the body is not really solid. There's always waves of energy vibrating. So you're always in a flux state, essentially. So in that flux state, you can create anything. And so with the light particles that you're carrying in your electromagnetic field, when light, when one electromagnetic field interacts with another one, it charges the atoms So the electrons get excited. And so that can actually push energy in and out of your body. So there is a biochemical, but also a metaphysical experience that's happening with human touch and human contact. So with your electromagnetic field, there are, there are atoms that are in every single cell of your body. So there's molecules and atoms and and you're getting smaller and smaller. And then you're in, in the quantum level of the subatomic realm below the atom, which is photon, oh, photons, yes, protons, neutrons, and electrons. And so the space between the nucleus of an atom and the orbiting electrons is empty space. And so all of your atoms are 99% empty, which is empty space means that there's no observable matter in there. And so what is in that empty space is a flux of virtual particles versus real particles. So real particles are what's manifested as physical matter. But that virtual state of the flux where it's the void, if you want to call it, it's the God particle where anything can be created out of that empty space But what dictates what gets created is your intention. So you can essentially, like people who have experiences where an angel appeared to them or or a family member that they had a vision of, all of that is, it's possible on a scientific level. They've measured how to do this. So even though you might think, okay, I'm going crazy, (laughs) but things can pop in and out of the void because it's everything, your, your body is technically 99% empty space. So anything can pop in and out of reality. So if your body is doing that and my body is doing that and our fields interact, we're sharing and exchanging light and information. And so you can actually charge someone's body by touching them and 
sharing that photonic energy and, and you're essentially lighting them up. You're a battery. So it does help to move and push energy. And then if you add on a massage and like physical push, that is such a healing experience for someone. Now, if they have trauma with physical touch or a family line or a generational thing that gets activated when someone, anyone touches them, that's a different story. But for the most part, if we're talking about general terms, human touch is very healing for the physical body. Yes. Even, it even got me thinking about like, cause we were talking about aggression and, and suffering earlier mm-hmm. from male, female athletes when you go from playing a sport to then I'm sitting at a desk and Mm -hmm. I'm like, my whole world changed. And I think about that often and like what changed and why did it change and what were my feelings? And one of them was like, even just like high five, like literally at sports every day, I would high five people Mm -hmm. and like you get charged up just from that. And then you take that away, like er almost every day of my life. It was Mm -hmm. an every day of my life thing for decades. Mm -hmm. And then immediately you get into college and you got to get a job, as they say, and then you take that away. Right. And then now the only form of touch is with the significant other. And it's just like, we don't, most people don't even think about this stuff of Mm -hmm. what we're taking away when... And then you add in the toxins of the alcohol and other tools that most people, I would say, don't know how to use Mm -hmm. in an appropriate way. It just manifests into kind of what we're seeing in in today's reality, which is a lot of people suffering in ways that I would consider that they don't need to be suffering. They can come to people like yourself and kind of cure their traumas and ailments so that they can live a life that is higher level energy. Mm -hmm. This has been a super uh, inspiring conversation and enlightening. And I'd love to kind of take the last couple of minutes here and allow you to speak about how you even got into this and, mm-hmm. and what it is that, what does your particular client look like? Um, and anything that you want to talk about in terms of your business and what you're working on, because as I was telling you before the podcast, one of our biggest goals at Thrive is to just connect people. And I'd love for somebody who heard you here speaking here today that maybe has some problems that they believe you can solve, connect with you. So feel free to take the floor and kind of talk about how you got into metaphysics, what it Mm -hmm. looks like to work with you, who's working with you. Yeah. You got free reign. Thank you. Um, So I got into this because I, in college, I was majoring in exercise science and then I double minored in neuroscience and psychology. So I wanted that mind-body connection and how to explain motivation for exercise. So that was the biggest thing as to how I even started into that realm. And then that led to me being pre-med. My goal was to go to medical school. And so when I was asking questions in my neuroscience classes and nutrition classes, I wasn't getting answers that were really resonating with me. I wasn't satisfied. And so I was asking questions in my nutrition class of what happens when someone's barely eating any calories at all and they're exercising cardio twice a day and they're gaining weight, what's happening? And the professor was like, that's physically impossible. And I was like, well, it's happening to me. (laughs) So I'm experiencing it. Um, It was like asking for a friend, but it's like it me. Um, That's what was happening. I was exercising so much and constricting calories and I was gaining weight. 
but I didn't understand inflammation in the body. And so, and hormones and all of that, I, I had painful periods and uh, skin issues and issues I never experienced before in high school. And I was thinking, what's the difference between high school and college? And so a lot of it was food-based and, and I was in exercise science. So I was thinking, oh, exercise science is the answer and exercising and pushing You see all the benefits yep. of it, but I was exercising too much. And I didn't know that that was a thing, especially for the female body. So uh, there were other things going on, you know, lack of sleep and stress and alcohol and all those things that I didn't have in high school. But learning that there's way more going on with the body than just calories in and calories out. And so that got me thinking. And then in my neuroscience class, I asked, you know, they were saying, if you're brain dead, you're just dead. Like there's no neurons that are connecting and all of that. And I said, well, what's informing the body to decay when it dies? Like something's telling it, okay, now you're dead, decay. (laughs) So what is that if it's not a neural pathway or neurons? And everyone looked at me like I had, you know, 10 heads. So I was thinking, maybe I'm not in the right realm. I was questioning consciousness and I didn't have the language for it. So I didn't understand what was happening. And then me thinking about going into med school, I was thinking it's going to be more of the same. I'm just going to get wall after wall after wall. And I there, there was not – my questions were not welcomed. <laughs> so – I went into the research realm because I was thinking, well, this surely I'm going to have all the answers at research has never failed me. So went into the research realm. I studied exercise and nutrition and its effects on cognition and memory for an Alzheimer's and dementia unit. So I had participants, research participants coming to me and I would test their memory and test their cognition. And then I'd give them a few things in the, in the lab to do and, you know, people were asking me, well, what can I do to in- improve my memory if they were, they scaled lower? And I w- couldn't say anything because I was going to alter the data. So my hands were tied and I hated that. And then on top of that, I was getting taken out to lunches with pharmaceutical companies and things like that. And I was just seeing the politics going on behind it and who's funding the research. And I got really deflated and thinking, okay, science doesn't lie, but people do. And so I can't just stick to, oh, well, the science says this. Now I go and say, well, who funded that? And who's on the board of this? And who's doing this? You know, if it's a nonprofit thing, there's always a board or an edge or someone's getting something out of the research showing a particular thing. And who is going to alter the data to support this outcome? So I left the research realm. And not saying that all research is like this. This was my personal experience. But then I went into self-funded research and looked at scientists who were funding their own experiments so that they had freedom to see true science. Because scientists don't care about the politics. They want to know what's actually happening. So I looked into all these true scientists and true researchers who were getting phenomenal information that was just astounding. And a lot of it was opposite of what the mainstream research was showing. And this was cellular nutrition. I was looking at that and how the body really operates on a cellular level of not just sodium and potassium and all those things, 
But then I wanted to go beyond that. Okay, protons, neutrons, electrons, what's really going on at the root? And so that led me into metaphysics because I was already working with clients at this point. And because I got a lot of certifications for a holistic health practitioner and holistic exercise, kinesiology, and corrective exercise, and all kinds of things. So I opened my own business, started having clients. Anyone who came in with health issues started crying, (laughs) and I didn't know what was happening. Even men, they would just sit down and start crying, and I was like 23 (laughs) at the time, like, holy shit, what am I doing? And so I'm like, are you you okay? Like, I thought, here's your diet plan, you know, like, (laughs) it's just like, what does one have to do with the other? So... I was thinking clearly something's going on that's way deeper. And then, you know, when they're saying, oh, I can't lose weight. And then they're crying and saying, my mom called me fat when I was 12 and all of these things. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this is going to be way more than just calories in and calories out for this person. So going further than that, in my office space, there was a psychic medium in the office. And so she came in and she was like, you're a psychic medium. And I was like, That's the worst insult I've ever experienced because (laughs) I'm from New Orleans and anyone who reads palms has like a turban on their head and a crystal ball and they're not educated. You know, I'm like, I went to college. I have a degree. I'm in the research realm. I was like so offended that she said that. And so I was on my intellectual high horse and then everyone who started coming to see me, I would feel in my own body what was happening before they would even enter the room. I would get a headache or my stomach would start hurting or whatever it was. And sure enough, they'd come in and say, hey, you know, I'm suffering with headaches. I'm like, yeah, no shit. (laughs) I have such a migraine right now and I never get migraines. So one thing led to another. And I was like, maybe I am empathic or maybe I am a psychic medium. Like if all of that exists, because at the time I was like, that doesn't exist. I don't believe in that. I thought there's got to be a science that explains psychic mediumship or being an empath. What does that look like? And so that led me to metaphysics and looking at what's happening beyond what we can see with our eyes or, or taste or smell beyond the five main senses. So that was energy and that started being the big game changer of shifting things for clients. And so now when I work with a client, it sounds like we're just on the phone or just in person or I'll, I'll do hiking sessions in Austin because uh, I use water frequencies to help lift emotional patterns. So when someone is talking to me over the phone, it feels like we're just having a friendly conversation. But one, I'm infusing frequencies in the sound of my voice. So you can overlay information that you can't see, taste, touch, smell, but it's infused into the carrier waves of sound. And so I can insert a frequency into my voice and it can go into your energy field. Now, I don't have control over you. You're a sovereign being of light. So I can be the sender, but if you don't want to receive it or you are, or your higher self is saying, hey, he's not ready for that frequency right now, you don't have to change at all. I've done my job. My job is to hold a specific frequency and your job is to match it or not. So whoever's working with me, the fact that they book a session with me already puts them in resonance with me. So they're going to get some kind of shift. So when someone is speaking with me and I'm inserting frequencies to change their physical body or their health or their relationships, I'm using that, but I'm also 
using psychic mediumship ability, which is kind of like Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. You're just tuning into radio waves. And I'm just proficient at reading those radio waves, but I wasn't born that way. Everyone can do this. So it's like speaking Spanish. If you live in Colombia, you're going to have an affinity towards being able to speak fluently. If you've never been exposed to Spanish, it's going to be a lot more difficult to understand the nuances of that language. So I just wanted to make that clear that everyone can do this. I'm not just this special alien that landed on Earth. Some days I, <laughs> I feel like an alien, but it's working with those subtle frequencies in someone's field. So I can read them like a book and say, hey, these are your blind spots. This is what you're not seeing. This is how this is connected to that. And so I, I connect this full picture for them so that I put it on a platter and say, hey, this is what's going on. This is your belief system. This is where this came from. Your grandma is actually saying, you know, get over this and do that and don't do what she did. So I can connect with your guides and your family members on the other side as well. But I don't do mediumship readings. I'm not going to sit there and say, hey, you know, someone with army pants is coming through and they're like, that's my grandpa. So <laughs> I, those are fun, but that's not what I do. If they come in to put in their two cents, it's always to help you. It's always a loving message. It's never going to be like, hey, you're not doing enough. You're not good enough. What You know, it's always a message that's going to be so poignant for them to make a shift after that. So being in a session is is a little bit intense, but well, it depends. But a lot of people go walking away from it, I would say, always feel better after a session because it just gives you clarity on what to do and the tools are simple, but you're going to get a, I guess you could call it a healing of sort, a shift of energy. Just if you don't even implement any of the tools, you'll get a shift in interacting with me regardless because I'm sending you a resonance there. I'm a big believer in energy. If you're listening to this, you've been around people that have bad energy and you've been around right. people that have good energy. That's like you. Right. If you can say yes to that, mm -hmm. you have to somewhat believe in everything that you're saying right. because I can immediately think back to people that have had bad energy towards me mm -hmm. or people that have had great energy. So it is yeah. a thing. Right. Right. So we're just dialing into bringing it or you're just dialing into when you break all of that down mm -hmm. and what we actually are, atoms, protons, neutrons, electrons, the true science behind it, there's still so much we don't know. Mm -hmm. So statistically, it's more likely that it is factual right. than it is zero. Mm -hmm. um, because if you know statistics that like it's very hard to get something that's statistically zero. Yes. Um can I fly? Mm -hmm. Like statistically, like getting to zero is very hard. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I love everything that you've been talking about. And I really liked how you were talking about the calories in calories out thing. Cause that's mm -hmm. something that I feel like everyone can relate to. And right. here's an in interesting anecdote. Um, I'm always doing self experiments and I attached a glucose monitor to, to me and I would do fasted running. And mm -hmm. so when you run, mm -hmm. you would assume that you're burning energy. Yeah. So that your glucose would actually, like, you'd start getting depleted. Mm -hmm. What was interesting is my glucose started going up. Mm -hmm. So you're like, okay, what the hell's going on here? So you mentioned the liver earlier. Our liver stores energy. Mm -hmm. And in the past, what would happen is it would store energy because we might go five days without eating. Right. 
So the liver would store the energy because if you went five days without eating and you needed to sprint Mm -hmm. for 50 yards so that you survive, you you hunted the thing and you are now going to survive, it would save it up for that one little moment. The problem we have in today's day and age is we're storing energy when we don't even realize it. So the stress, the inflammation, we're constantly in storage mode and we're not releasing a lot of that. So that anecdote, what you were talking about when you were in college, now has me thinking about just energy on a different level of like not even on the food level. It's mm-hmm. just like on the stress and inflammation and things that are touching our skin. Yep. The light that we allow ourselves into. So I'm going to do a lot of digging yeah. here after this. And I well, just want to thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. And to a caveat to that, that I want people to know is that yeah, we're always going to be exposed to toxins and we're always going to have moments where we go, you know, 12 hours without eating or we're never going to get it perfect. The point is not to have the perfect lifestyle or perfect anything. It's how much joy can you have in everything that you do? That's one of the most healing frequencies on the planet. So part of it is letting go and letting go of resistance, resistance and judgment and avoidance of, say, okay, yeah, that person has negative energy. You might not want to be around them, but it's not judging them for that. It's just saying, hey, it's neutral. Actually, that person's neutral. It's triggering something in me and being like, oh, we're not in, in resonance, but yet you are because they're in your reality. So they're still a mirror for what's going on inside of you. So Having love and compassion too, and just carrying that throughout, it doesn't mean you have to hang out with that person or call them for dinner or anything, but it's living with much more compassion and love and joy. It does help you thrive. And it it's not about getting it right or being perfect or especially with blood sugar with people, like you said, it stores as glycogen in the liver. And so especially when women fast because they're trying to lose weight, and they're saying, oh, I'm not eating anything. I'm just, I just have coffee in the morning and then I don't eat until, you know, 3.30. And okay, so the night before you haven't eaten until I guess the last time you ate was maybe 7 o'clock at night and you slept and you released glycogen. And so to get you through the night so that you don't die, that's literally what breakfast is. It's You're breaking your fast. And so if you skip that and you go until 3.30 in the afternoon – your liver is pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping out glycogen. And so your blood sugar spikes when you have had no candy, cookies, sugar, you know, and, and the less that you eat, because you don't want that blood sugar spiking, the more your blood sugar is going to go up. So it there's crazy things that are going on with the body that it's way beyond what our normal physics or our normal Western medicine says. And, and there's a time and a place for that hands down. If I slice my leg open, I'm going to the emergency room. I'm not going to, you know, um, sing Kubaya and do tuning forks. <laughs> so I'm, uh, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. Everything's a tool. So utilize the tool when you, it's like, you're not going to use a gun to eat a salad. Like you, you have to use a fork. You use the tool in the right moment. You can't just pound away at using a hammer. You have one hammer and you use it for everything in your life. It's no, have multiple tools and know when to use it. It's not, it's dropping your judgment of Western medicine. It's dropping your judgment of psychic mediumship. It's living in the present moment. What's going to work. And that could look like anything in that moment. So 
um, that's another thing with, with people. I want them to know you don't have to get it right. It's just your energy infused into whatever it is that you're doing. And if you're enacting your own power, that creates a ripple effect of making something work when technically it shouldn't work on paper or in a research lab because your intention is what creates the virtual particles to become real particles. So you literally are a manifester. You're the creator of your reality. You're co-creating it with source or God or whatever you want to call it. Um, so you have so much power. And that's one of the biggest messages I have for people um, is knowing their own power. So wonderfully said. And I love how you brought the word joy into there. Um, it's something I think we could all work on. And mm -hmm. the other word that came to my mind was resilient. So it's mm -hmm. not, it's not always going to work and it's not always going to be easy, but how do we become more resilient in different moments? Um, and like you mentioned, it's like some days we're going to have to go out, go without the, the 12 hours without food or, or right. go on four hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. So it's really just giving yourself grace and empowering yourself to understand that life is always shifting and constantly shifting. But that doesn't mean that when life shifts, I have to necessarily take myself out of joy um, mm -hmm. And I love how you, you talked about when you're feeling that negative energy from somebody else, not allowing that energy to be taken by me mm -hmm. or the, if you're on the other end of this, by you who's feeling that. So I love that. I think that's brilliant advice and it's something I'm really going to walk away with from here at the end of every episode. Mm -hmm. I kind of ended in the same way. First way is if anybody loved what they were what you were talking about here today, what's mm -hmm. the best way for them to get in contact with you? Uh, my website is www.amberlycarter.com. It's A-M-B-E-R-L-E-I-G-H, carter.com. And then Instagram is the best social media outlet for me. And that is um, Dr. Amberly Carter, D-R period, Amberly Carter. Those are the best ways because you can book a session with me either through Instagram on book now or my link that I have there. And then on my website, I have all kinds of things with my own podcast called ask Amberly that I interview a whole bunch of different guests on that. And yeah, you can book a session through my website. You can find all kinds of things on there, magazine articles, all kinds of stuff if they're interested in that. So amazing. And then yeah. the last question I have for you, I ask everybody at the end is if I were to ask you, to define the word thriving, mm -hmm. what does that mean to you? I think thriving is really living with connection and living in a way that you're content, a feeling state of like humility with that. So thriving is not trying to be the most successful or keep up with the Joneses or doing, 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 doing. It's how much can you connect to yourself and what it is that you want and need in life? And that's what I think makes people really thrive is connecting to yourself and understanding who you are, where you're going and what you're doing. So, and like I said earlier that you have to stay grounded to do that. So um, that's what I would think thriving is for me. Perfect way to segue into the end of this episode because at the end I talk about kind of my biggest takeaway and we were talking about being grounded and, and what thriving is I can't help but go back to the very beginning of this conversation we were talking about champagne and fries no, yeah <laughs> right and realize that like I just need more champagne and fries in life right I don't eat champagne and I'm allergic right. to a lot of french fries just because they'll have wheat in them yeah yeah but what that means to me is 
as we were mentioning before, I've come to the conclusion just by listening to other podcasts and other amazing people like yourself that like our time is limited Mm -hmm. and what you find to be your champagne and fries. How do you do more of that? And how do you stay grounded Mm -hmm. in who you are? Because the champagne and fries is going to be different for everybody. Right. Exactly. So I think it's some of the most healing experiences could be having a a cocktail with your friend for some people, other people, it could look like having hot chocolate on a couch snuggled up by yourself even. Uh, And it's not necessarily like, I love the luxury aspect of champagne, what people think it is, but then you counteract it with fries, you know, at the end of the night going through a drive-through and just getting fries because you're exhausted and (laughs) just want something yummy and warm. So I love that they're kind of opposing each other in some way, but yet fits so well together. It's just celebrating life. And I know we talked about celebrating, but it's, it's really, I guess the celebration, the undertone is really enjoying your life and whatever that looks like. It could be on your terms. Exactly. That's that's what it means to me is just like on your terms, because when we were in this conversation about alcohol, like that wasn't on my, like Mm -hmm. I didn't need that energy. I already have it. Mm -hmm. I didn't need it to go talk to girls or to be more of myself. I didn't need it. It was unneeded. Mm -hmm. Um, I get why people integrate that tool into their life. I Mm -hmm. like how you use that, the tool belt as an example as well. But for me, like it wasn't on my own terms. Mm -hmm. On my terms would be, I don't need that. I can show up with super passionate Mm -hmm. without that, without that thing. I need other things in my life, like meditation and and Mm -hmm. slowing down and being. And so amazing conversation. I just want to thank you so much again, Amberly, for for joining me here today. Uh, I know everybody's going to love it. If you listen to this episode, please go to Amberly's website, go check her out, show her some love. And then the best thing you can do for us right now is save and share this episode. If you enjoyed it and know somebody else that can enjoy it as well, please click that share button, send it over to them. Let's get better together. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.